0: It's a ball out, 8-inning, 10-3. Faces are loaded for Verlander who waits out the real finish. He swings and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run
1: and a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bat. Today, we cover the American League. The last episode was the National League preview. Today will be the American League preview. We have a ton to cover. We're gonna gonna blast through all the content here, division by division, the American League winner, the AL Cy Young, MVP, Rookie of the Year, everything you could dream of when it comes to the American League, we will cover today. Opening day is Thursday. I could legitimately cry tears of joy that it is so close. We can taste it. Thursday, it begins. And this show begins right now with the American League. Let's start in the American League. The American League East. I have some storylines about the American League East. And I want to start with, you know, the New York Yankees. Because, of course, baseball, the New York Yankees, they're the most well-known franchise in baseball. That's where we're starting. I want to start with their pitching. My first storyline in the American League East is the Yankees pitching production. This is, this is going to be interesting and something we have to keep an eye on this year because the Yankees' offense is good. Their pitching lacks depth, especially their starting rotation. Behind Garrett Cole, who when he's on can be great, even when he's not on. He is elite. What else are you going to get from that rotation? It really does worry me. The New York Yankees are going to put up runs. Let me change that. The New York Yankees have to put up runs. When you think of the New York Yankees over the course of the last couple of decades, seemingly, they have to hit. They're going to hit a bunch of home runs. They're going to put up runs in bunches. And you got to figure out what you're going to get from the pitching. So if you don't put up runs in bunches, what's going to happen? They're going to be a 85 to 91 team that maybe makes a wild card spot and then doesn't do much in the playoffs, as we've seen year in and year out over the course of the last decade. The Yankees have to produce offensively. This team is built around their offense. So that's why, for me, this storyline is what can you get from their pitching? Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery as their two. What are you going to get from Severino? Can they make a deal at some point in the year? I will really be keeping an eye on the Yankees pitching because, to me, that is the key factor for their season. The key for the New York Yankees this year will be what can they get from their pitching staff. We know they're going to put up runs. If they can put together a good year on the mound, well, that makes them one of the best teams in baseball for sure. But can that happen? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks with that rotation, a lot of question marks. Uh, In that bullpen as well. So the pitching production is a storyline for me. Moving on to another storyline in the American League East, the Toronto Blue Jays. I love this team. That should just be the story. That should be it. That should be the storyline. I love this Toronto Blue Jays team. They do have a new look to them this year. So my storyline here is what is this new look Blue Jays team going to do? Because they have the potential. Honestly, the potential is endless for this team. Okay, so you lose Robbie Ray, Cy Young Award winner. Yes. Big, big guy leaving the team. That hurts. You lose Marcus Simeon, an MVP finalist. Yes, that hurts. But you look around the team. They add Kevin Gosman to the pitching rotation. Jose Barrios will have a full year. Alec Manoa will be good. Kikuchi has come over. I think that adds good depth to the rotation. Then you look at the offense. That is just another year older for a team that is so young and so talented. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could have won the MVP last year if we didn't see perhaps the greatest season of all time from Shohei Otani. Bo Bichette is going to continue to get better. Um, Kevin Biggio will come back from injury. Teoscar Hernandez is great. But, Some big additions, a very big addition, in my opinion, Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman is the best defender in baseball. And to me, there is no arguing that. And I'm not saying he's the best defender at third base. I am saying Matt Chapman is the best defensive player in baseball. He's also not too shabby offensively. At the plate, the last couple of years, he's been dealing with a few injuries, He's looked good in spring training, hit a couple home runs. I I like Matt Chapman a lot. I like what he brings to this team a lot. So this new look Blue Jays team, what can they do? I'm excited to see them. I'm a believer in the Blue Jays. We'll get to all of that throughout this episode. I'm a believer in this new team, but a storyline that will show itself throughout the regular season is what can this new look Blue Jays team do? Can it compete as I believe it will? in the American League East with the big dogs, the Yankees, the Red Sox. And I'm gonna include the Rays in that big dog comment because they produce as if they were a big dog. So, new look Blue Jays this year that everybody should be excited to watch, honestly. Everybody should tune in for Blue Jays. Vladimir Guerrero is just pure must watch television every time he takes the field. Next storyline in the American League East for me and my final storyline, I'm gonna be doing three per division three bold predictions per division. My third prediction, or my, my third storyline in the AL East is Wander Franco. Can Wander Franco propel the Rays? Wander Franco, in my opinion, is going to be one of the best shortstops in baseball this year. The J, the, the Rays need that. They need it bad. You look around this team and they do it every single year. They do this every year. They put together a team on paper that you're, if if you didn't know anything about the game of baseball, despite who the best players were and who was going to be good and who's typically not good, you would look at the Rays roster and say, in the division like that, in the AL East, they're going to finish fourth. Somehow, every single year they figured out, and it's because guys like Wander Franco who it appears he can be that guy for them, they step up. So they need Wander Franco to step up. They make a trade just the other day with the Detroit Tigers. Austin Meadows, gone, out. He he had over 100 RBIs last year. So they need the production to come from Wander Franco. Can he take that next step that it looks like like he's going to take? Can he propel that Rays team to be elite like they have been over the last few years? So when I look at the AL East, a key factor for me, because you know the teams that will be there, you know that it's going to be a four-team race. I don't think any of the four are going to fall way behind. You know it's going to be the Jays, the Rays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees all fighting. Can Wander Franco be that guy that makes the Rays elite and pushes them over the top? I'm never going to bet against it. I won't bet against him because I like him, and I will never, ever bet against the Rays because they just always seem to shock. So those are my storylines in the AL East. Now the fun stuff. My bold, bold predictions for the AL East this year, and we're going to start with a really bold one. This is bold. The Toronto Blue Jays, who I've told you I believe in, my prediction for them is not only do they win the AL East, they win the World Series. That is right. I believe in this team. I believe in the pitching staff. I believe in the defense. I believe in the offense. I believe in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. If every single one of you listening doesn't watch Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at least 10 plus times this year as a baseball fan, You're missing out. I promise you. This team is fun. This team will have the experience of playing big games throughout the regular season, which is big for me. I often talk about experience. Playoff experience is huge. That's why I believe in the Astros. That's why I believe in the Astros' success over the last five, six years, because they have that experience. So this team is a little bit different. They don't have that playoff experience, they're really young. Part of me thinks they're young enough to not let that pressure of the playoffs get to them. They just go out and have fun. But, a few things. I look at other teams that are are talented around the league. The White Sox, who have gotten into the playoffs but don't have that playoff success. They've struggled. That's a hump you have to get over. I like this Blue Jays team because they will be fighting tooth and nail every game throughout the regular season to get to a regular season division title in a division that is probably the best in baseball, there are four legitimately really good teams. And whenever you play the Yankees, whenever you go into Yankee Stadium, I don't care what you have to say about the Yankees. I don't care if you like them. I don't care if you hate them. Whenever you go into Yankee Stadium and play a game under the lights, it just means more. It does. The lights are on. All eyes are on you. It just means more. So playing those games multiple times throughout the regular season it's going to be big for them. It's going to be a playoff type of atmosphere, especially coming down the stretch. So I believe they'll get that experience. They'll go into the playoffs hot. I like them to run the table in the playoffs. I like them to win the World Series. So we'll get to more about that later. Another bold prediction. I really went bold with these AL East predictions now that I think about it. I like it a lot, but I really went bold. My next bold prediction for the AL East is that the Red Sox infield... Leads the American League in home runs. Now let's go around the infield. Rafael Devers, I'll start with him. Obviously, no brainer, going to hit a bunch of homers. Xander Bogarts, phenomenal. And then you have Bobby Dahlbeck over at first base, who I'll get to him in a second. Trevor Story rounds out the infield at second base. So we we know what a lot of those guys can give you. Story, Bogarts, Devers, phenomenal. Going to put up a bunch of homers. There are other infielders that are really good. I also believe in Bobby Dalbeck. He's young. He didn't have the best year in in his rookie season. He hasn't been phenomenal. This guy has a ton of pop. I believe this is the year. I don't want to say he becomes a great first baseman, but I believe this is the year that he takes a big step forward. And I could see him hitting 20-plus home runs. So... I look around the league. Obviously, the Astros will be good, but Yuli Gurriel doesn't hit a, home run, a lot of home runs. And now, without Carlos Correa as shortstop, Pena won't hit a ton of home runs. That's not, that's not his game. So I just start, I, I start to look around the league. I know it's bold. The Blue Jays will be great. Vladdy will probably hit 50 on his own. But this is my prediction, and I'm sticking to it. The Red Sox infield leads the American League in home runs. Moving on, my last bold prediction in the American League East is the New York Yankees' big three in the offense. So Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, and Giancarlo Stanton combine for 120-plus home runs. Now, if you listened to the National League preview yesterday, I predicted the exact same thing for the Phillies' big three, Schwarber, Castellanos, and Harper. That has only been done three times, I believe, in the history of baseball. It has never been done twice in the same year. So I guess this prediction in itself is an AL East bold prediction, but it's also a very, very bold take for all of baseball. Look, Despite what Luke Voigt had to say on his way out the door, Yankee Stadium is a hitter-friendly ballpark. It just is. The gaps get very big, that is true, but down the lines makes up for it. You can pop up a ball to right field or to left field and it'll be gone. Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, Giancarlo Stanton combined for 120-plus home runs is my prediction. I like it a lot. Health will be a big, big factor here, with all of them, really. Uh, Judge, we know, has been injury prone in the past, but he's put together some good full seasons. When you look at, this is kind of a little side side tangent here, but people like to, the, the knock on Aaron Judge is that he's not, um, he, he doesn't stay on the field, he's injury prone. That, quite frankly, hasn't been the case over the course of, uh, at least last year, and the past couple of years, he's been out on the field a lot. Unfortunately, guys like, Mike Trout should more so be in that conversation because Aaron Judge has been on the field a lot more than Mike Trout. So we all should hope for a healthy and full season for Mike Trout. I like Aaron Judge to stay healthy. I like these guys to hit 120 plus home runs. That would average out to be 40 amongst them all. I think Judge has a chance to get close to 50. When Stanton gets hot, he could be around 40 and, you know, Gallo could be as well. I like it. I like that a lot. So that does it for the bold predictions, the storylines. As with yesterday in the National League preview, we have some guests for you guys throughout the show today. So for this first guest, let's bring in Jake Mint to talk some American League East. He's a jack of all trades. Yesterday, Jake, NL Central. Today, AL East. You just do it all. So thank you for joining me again. It's a pleasure.
2: I'm the Ben Zobrist of covering baseball.
1: (laughs) Very well said. All right. So, AL East today, let's uh let's start with some some storylines. Some some things you're excited to watch in the AL East this year. Give me 3 of them. 3 storylines you're looking at this year.
2: All right. Let's start with Tampa, another winter gone by, another winter of the Tampa Bay Rays more or less just sitting on their hands and doing nothing in free agency or on the trade market. They've done this many times before and it has very rarely come back to bite them during the regular season. They're normally projected for between 85 and 90 wins, usually win between 90 and 100. They outperform (laughs) it, Guys you've never heard of, come forward and they kick butt and they go to the postseason and they lose. Happens every single year. I'm curious if this will finally be the year that haunts them. They were involved in Freddie Freeman. We knew that last year they were involved in thinking about training for Matt Olson. They would have, helped them to go and get one more guy. They just traded Austin Meadows away to the Tigers. They're going to call up some rookies to fill those spots. I'm sure they're going to win the division again. I have no doubt, but it just every year, it's like, maybe just go get Trevor Story and it's the guy you need to push just over the top. Carlos Rodon would have been a great fit in that rotation. So I'm just curious to see what happens if the Rays can still be in the mix despite sitting on their hands for yet another offseason.
1: Yeah, I don't really understand the you know, the trade with the Tigers is interesting. And every single trade that is made with the Rays, no matter how it looks, it could look extremely lopsided against the Rays. It just scares me to death if I'm a team trading with the Rays. So like you said, it looks like they've done nothing. It, it, they're going to be projected to win 85 to 90 games, and they're going to win the division. But I I never understand it. I don't get it. So it, I'm it, absolutely yeah, with you there. 100%. You
2: and I think what's frustrating about it, too, is – they can win 95 games with a payroll around 70 million, but they could probably win 105 games with a payroll around 105 yeah. million, right? They could take that yeah. next step and compete more in the postseason if they added another guy. Talking to people around that team last year, not having Charlie Morton in the ALDS against the Red Sox was basically the entire series, right? And part of the reason they chose not to him bring bring him back was because of the payroll concern.
1: Yep, it's like they can get to a certain point but struggle getting over that hump. All right, what do you got next for me?
2: Next thing is the Yankees' offense. Okay, so if I say the Yankees' offense to you, Ben, what do you think of immediately? What do you think of?
1: A lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts.
2: A lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts, right. Well, I bet you didn't realize this, but last year this team was 19th in runs scored in Major League Baseball behind Cleveland, behind Anaheim, behind minnesota who was bad when we think of the yankees we think of big guys hitting big home runs as recently as 2019 they hit 306 homers which is the second most of all time now part of that was probably the ball but last year everybody not named aaron judge or john carlos stanton was just met for the yankees and that's why they ended up scoring yeah. so few runs they didn't make a ton of additions to try and fix that donaldson is the obvious one i think some of those secondary players like LeMahieu and Hicks and Rizzo will have to fill in the void because when we think of the Yankees, it's big offense, questionable pitching, weird defense, and that's not really what it was last year.
1: Right. They they can't afford... The New York Yankees have to score runs in bunches, and, and it seems like, like you said, they're big offense, questionable pitching, and they can't afford to be meh offense and questionable pitching, it just won't work out in their favor. So I like that one as well. All right. What do you got for me? Last storyline from you.
2: All right. My last storyline is about the Toronto Blue Jays, but more specifically about the vaccine mandate in Canada and how that's going to impact the American league East, because as we've known and seen from what's happened in the NBA, Canada is not allowing people into the country who aren't vaccinated. And what that means is unvaccinated players in baseball will not travel with the team when they play in Toronto. Now, Toronto, the blue Jays are subject to the same rules. The entire team has gotten vaccinated, so it won't be an issue for them, but it will be an issue for some of these other teams in the American League East. When you're playing nine games at Rogers center and this division could come down to one or two games, not having some big names potentially for those games could be the thing that sways the entire division. Now, personally, I think it's karma for the Blue Jays having to play in Dunedin and Buffalo the last two years that they'll have potentially the biggest home field advantage in baseball history.
1: Yeah, well, I promise you, the hitters didn't mind playing in Dunedin and in Buffalo. The pitchers sure minded it. But I, I feel like we don't talk about that enough. This is a this is a big deal. Like, and and exactly. we haven't, you know, we haven't heard a lot about this. The, the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and the Rays, they're all going to be playing there. I'll throw the Orioles in, your Orioles, sorry about that, uh, are all going to be playing there nine times. And they're not, especially with the Yankees, some of the best guys on that team are not going to be able to play, which is a big well, deal. So I like and that storyline. Specifically
2: line. with the Red Sox, so if you take a look at the schedule, the second to last series of the year, the Red Sox traveled to Toronto. Chris Sale has been perhaps the most outspoken, unvaccinated player in Major League Baseball. Are the Red Sox just going to roll into Toronto with the division maybe within two games and not have Chris Sale for that series? That's outrageous, <laughs> right? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that that is wild. Okay, so... The AL East, as we've already mentioned just in the storylines, there's some big, big names in this division, Jake. So if you're looking at this division, the AL East, who are some top players that you are most excited to watch this year in the AL East?
2: Now, so beyond the obvious crop of the top of Devers and Judge and Cole, I'm going to go kind of a half rung below that. I'm going to start off with Bo Bichette in Toronto. He gets overshadowed by Vlad Jr. a little bit, but Bichette, was very close last year to posting an incredibly rare season. He hit 291 with 29 home runs and 25 stolen bases. If he can get to a 300 average, 30 home runs and 25 steals, he will be the third ever shortstop to pull that off, joining just Alex Rodriguez and Hanley Ramirez. We don't see shortstops with the type of skill set, bat-to-ball average ability, power and speed that Bichette has. And I think this season could be even a bigger breakout. Again, he was outstanding last year, but there's just, I think there's another half gear for him.
1: Hmm. I've heard of those other guys on that list as well. Um, and and it, he, it's easy to forget how young he is. He's Flo Bichette, yeah. best hair in the league, killing it at shortstop. All right, so Bo Bichette is one of them. Who else you got?
2: I got Shane McClanahan, starting pitcher with Ooh, the Tampa I love Rays. It. Our last memory of McClanahan was not a good one. He came in out of the bullpen in game four of the ALDS against Boston and got knocked around at Fenway Park. He is the eighth fastest starting pitcher in the big leagues. He averages his fastball around 96 and a half miles an hour, which is absolute gas. The difference is he is a lefty, right? A lefty starter throwing 96, 97 miles an hour with his fastball is a game changer. Last year, but Clannahan got outs just on pure stuff alone. If he can kind of mature a little on the mound and learn how to pitch, he's going to be dominant. I love this guy's on-mound attitude. He's a bulldog. He goes right at hitters. Incredibly fun to watch.
1: Okay. Love that as well. Hit me with your third one.
2: Kike Hernandez. Now, uh, last October, Kike was the best baseball player in the history of the world for about a 10 <laughs> day time. span <laughs> of all time. He was an automatic home run for about a week. And I'm fascinated to see what he is now, right? Is he just like a souped up version of what Chris Taylor, Ben Zobrist type, or is he just one of the best center fielders in baseball? He has always carried himself like a superstar. He's very gregarious and outgoing and personable and loud and in all the good ways, but he's never had the, the numbers to match that. And I'll be interested to see if his stats will kind of catch up to where his vibe is in 2022.
1: Okay, I, I love those answers because you didn't go with the t- Everybody should know Aaron Judge, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., yeah. Rafael Devers. So good stuff there. You don't need um, me so what I to ask tell you... now.
2: You don't need me to tell you that, like, Aaron Judge is worth watching, right? Like, I feel like we've passed right. that point. If you need me to tell you that, then, like, I, I'm i just going to quit. <laughs> like, that's – I don't need to do that.
1: Okay. So, what I want to ask you now is for the people – people listening that might not be the most diehard fans in the world that are going to be following closely this year, and some some newcomers in the AL East, rookies, um, under-the-radar players, hit us with three names that people need to know in the AL East.
2: I mean, I'm going to just start off with the most obvious rookie, and that is Adley Rushman, Baltimore Orioles' top prospect, ranked by a lot of publications as the number one prospect in baseball. I've got his bobblehead right here behind me. Um, (laughs) He is the hope of the future in Baltimore. He should be up at some point at the end of April, hopefully. He's a switch hitting catcher with crazy power who knows how to handle a rotation, won a college World Series at Oregon State. He's just going to be good right away. And he's built like a linebacker, very, very unique player. So that's my number one. I'm sure people have heard of him. Second rookie to keep an eye on is Josh Lowe with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's a center fielder, left fielder for them, who should be on the opening day roster now that Austin Meadows has been traded to Detroit. Going to be funny and confusing that they have Brandon Lau at second base and Josh Lowe in the outfield. (laughs) Josh Lowe is the younger brother of Nate Lowe. So they could have had Nate Lowe, Josh Lowe, and Brandon Lau. Uh, Expect Lowe. He's got great speed, great power. Good, not great defender in the outfield. Should get a lot of run for Tampa. And then the last guy I'm interested in, not sure if he's going to be up to start the year, but Red Sox top prospect at first base, Tristan Cassis. I want you to picture Eric Hosmer, but thicker. Okay. Kind of just like a oh, chokes up boy. on the bat. Big boy, not ripped, um, but big. And <laughs> he, but not like not, a Bartolo not Cologne not type. Chubby. No, like it's just. I'm like more of a Jose Abreu type big. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that type of big, but he's
1: 23,
2: 22, right? He's an incredible hitter. First round pick has hit all the way up the chain. He was the best player on the USA Olympic team last year, hit three home runs in Tokyo. Expect him to come up kind of middle end of the year. If Bobby Dahlbeck struggles and keeps piling up those strikeouts, you could definitely see Cassis getting some run for the Red Sox down the stretch. So those are my three guys to keep an eye on.
1: Okay, appreciate that, Jake. Again, joining me today for the AL East. Before I let you go, who you got winning it, man? This is a tough one. AL East is a tough division. Who is your AL East division winner?
2: Fool me once. Shame on me. Don't pick the Rays twice. Shame on me. I'm picking the Rays because everybody has been... I'm not getting bit in the butt again by not picking the Rays. Like, they're... Projected for fewer wins than the three other contenders in this division, but like they're the Rays. They just, they win it. I don't believe in the Yankees bottom of the order. I don't believe in Toronto's pitching depth, especially on the starting side. I don't believe in Boston's lineup being dynamic enough and the back end of that rotation. I think the Rays are still the most complete team. Winning a division, Ben, is not about the best five players on your team. It is about players 25 to 35 on your roster. Winning a playoff series is about the best 5 to 10. Winning a division is about 25 to 35. And the Rays do that better than everybody else in baseball.
1: Very well said, my friend. Uh, Again, thank you for the insight, as always. Check Jake out at Barbecue on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to. Jake, appreciate the time, my friend.
2: No worries, man. Orioles magic. So, yeah.
1: All right. Thanks to Jake again for joining me. As with every interview we come at, we come out of, we're gonna do top lineup, top pitching staff, top newcomer of the year, and then of course the division winner. So in the AL East, let's start with the top lineup. This one was difficult, but I'm gonna take the Toronto Blue Jays. For me, the top lineup in the AL East is the Toronto Blue Jays. I've talked about him a few times. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the guy in that lineup, but he's not the only guy. It's just all around him. Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman will be good. I actually really like the pickup they got from the Rockies of Raimel Tapia. Teoscar Hernandez is a has been a consistent all-star for the past couple of years. His numbers have been fantastic. He just gets a little overshadowed in that lineup that had Vlad Marcus Simeon last year, I like him a lot. I think Kevin Biggio takes a step forward. He's been hurt a good bit lately. But look, this starts and ends with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He is incredible. He is absolutely incredible. He could hit close to 50 bombs this year. I like the Toronto Blue Jays lineup in the AL East. Moving on to the top pitching rotation, the top pitching staff in the American League East, the Toronto Blue Jays. I really like what they did with the rotation this offseason. Yes, you lose a Cy Young winner. That will never be a good thing, ever. You get rid of a Cy Young guy, it's not going to be good. But what they did is they go out and get Kevin Gaussman, who was great in the National League for the Giants last year. They bring him in. So then you have Kevin Gaussman up at the top of that rotation, Jose Barrios, who they brought in towards the end of the year last year via a trade, Then they signed Kikuchi, who just adds extra depth to that rotation. Alec Manoa showed glimpses of being really good last year. He came on the scene. He was incredible in his debut at Yankee Stadium, which is not easy to do. I like this staff. I like this staff a lot. And then you look at the back end of the bullpen. Bullpen isn't great, but Jordan Romano in the back end is a lockdown guy. Throws 100. It's got really good stuff. So I look around the AL East, and I don't really, don't really love anybody's rotation. There's not really like a, well, there's not a dominant one through five in any on any of these teams. But I think the depth that the Blue Jays have sets them apart. I love their one two guys. The depth they have at three four five. I like them a lot. Top pitching staff for me in the AL East is the Toronto Blue Jays. Now something fun that I like to do is talk about a newcomer. Now this newcomer can be a rookie, a new player in the division, whatever it may be, but for each division I'm going to go through and do a top newcomer of the year. For me in the AL East, it's Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, I think, was Born to play in pinstripes. This guy's attitude, the way he plays the game, the way he plays under the bright lights. I mean, he's not afraid to get in somebody's face. He's not afraid to start something with somebody in the media. I think he was meant to put on this uniform. I watched him in spring. I've watched him in spring a lot. He is just hitting balls very, very hard. The bringer of rain, his name. And I believe he's going to do that quite a few times in New York. I like, I, I like that pickup for them. I don't love what the Yankees did this offseason by any means. I don't really know if they got a lot better. But I do like the addition of Josh Donaldson. Um, con- contract aside, I know they're, they're taking on all of his money. In terms of what he brings to this team on the field, I'm predicting that Josh Donaldson has a big year. I'm predicting that Josh Donaldson is the newcomer of the year, which is an unofficial award only given out by myself. So no matter what, I can award it to him at the end of the year. So I feel really good about my prediction. So Josh Donaldson there. Now we are to the division winner. Who is going to to win perhaps the toughest division in all of baseball? You have the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Rays, all going to be there in contention. I'm going to take the Toronto Blue Jays. As I've said, and as you guys know by now, I'm a big believer in this team. The pitching staff will be good enough. The offense will be phenomenal. They have a good closer at the back end of that bullpen. The recipe is there for them to win this division. The recipe is there for them to be the cream of the crop, for these young guys to take the next step and propel themselves. And to be honest with you, the Rays are the team that just consistently seem to be there at the end. I like a lot of teams in this division a lot. Like I said, it was hard for me and it is hard for me to ever bet against the Tampa Bay Rays winning everything because they just find a way to win. I am a big believer in this Blue Jays team. I think they are fantastic and I think that they win the American League East. Now let's move on to the American League Central. All right, so dare I say it, the American League Central is going to be exciting this year. It's last year, It was all White Sox, dominated by the White Sox. I like the AL Central a lot this year. Teams are getting better. We're going to get into it right now. We'll start with storylines. And we'll start with my first storyline, which is the Detroit Tigers roster produces. That young roster. Spencer Torkelson. If he's not the first name I mention, then what am I doing? Torkelson. Riley Green, who unfortunately was injured, but will come up at some, year, at some point this year. This team is going to be exciting, and I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to be a playoff team, the Detroit Tigers. No, but I am a believer in what this team is doing. I am a believer in what Al did this offseason, propelling this team to where they are now. I love the trade they just made to get Austin Meadows and put him in the outfield. I like this young roster, the pitching staff, Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning. The writing has been on the wall for this Detroit Tigers team to be good in the future for a little while now. And I think the future is here. I'm not saying the future is ready to win right now, but the future is here. And all Detroit Tigers fans should be happy and excited to watch this season. And it all starts with my man, Spencer Torkelson, who has made the opening day roster and I think is going to be great for a long, long time to come. So my first storyline in this division is the Detroit Tigers' young roster. Moving on, let's talk about Dylan Cease and the Chicago White Sox. This is even more so important now. Lance Lynn goes down. He's going to be out for like four to six weeks. He was going to be the ace of that staff. I I think Lucas Giolito is the guy in that staff, but Lance Lynn was going to start opening day. So you have Giolito. You lose Carlos Rodon, in steps Dylan Cease. I think Dylan Cease fills the void of Carlos Rodon really well. I I think he contends, and and I'm not, I don't want to say, and I don't want to predict right now that he's a top three finalist for Cy Young, but I think he he gets himself into that conversation at some point this year. We saw it towards the end. We saw it at the end of last year. He was phenomenal down the stretch. He was phenomenal in the second half of the year. His stuff is really good. He's continued to get better. He's continued to figure out how to pitch. He's had good stuff. He's just figuring out how to pitch with it. So my storyline is, first and foremost, keep an eye on Dylan Cease this year. But secondly, I, I think he fills that void that Carlos Rodon leaving. There was a big void there. And especially now with Lance Lynn being hurt, I think he becomes a guy. I think Dylan Cease becomes a guy in that rotation. So, big storyline for me there. Moving on, final storyline in the American League Central. We're going to stick with the White Sox. We're going to talk about the White Sox health. It worries me a little. Luis Robert, an MVP caliber player. An MVP type of guy. He's got six tools, according to our own Frank Thomas. Aloy Jimenez. Lance Lynn already getting hurt. Garrett Crochet goes down. He's going to have to get Tommy John. He's going to miss the whole year. So I thought of this. This was one of my storylines coming into the season. And now within the last couple of days, it's already shown itself to be a, a big talking point. It's already happening. So I think they're talented enough. They will be fine in the AL Central. They will be there no matter what at the end. But their health is a big concern for me, especially when you start pushing towards the playoffs. Look, Luis Robert was hurt all last year. He comes back and he's great. But you need guys to play during the regular season. You need them to have that as they move into the playoffs. I am worried. That is my one worry with this White Sox team is a bunch of guys have proven that it's tough for them to play 150 plus games. Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez last year were injured, and it's already started this year. That's a big storyline for me. The White Sox will be fantastic. They will be a very good baseball team, but keep an eye on their health throughout the season. Garrett Crochet getting hurt is a big blow, man, especially right when you lose Craig Kimbrell. You trade for A.J. Pollock, which I like a lot, but there goes some of your bullpen depth, Craig Kimbrell. And then the very next day or two days later, Garrett Crochet comes out and, that he needs Tommy John and he's going to miss the whole season. That's tough. That's really tough. So keep an eye on them with the injury bug. Now, on to the bold predictions. Bold predictions in the American League Central. First up, I'm going to go with the Royals. That's right. The Kansas City Royals. Producer Bartlett's going to be pumped about this one. Big Royals fan. I think they're in the hunt for the wild card. I think they make a run. I'm not gonna say they win the division. I think the Royals are better than people are giving them credit for. One, I love Bobby Witt Jr. Absolutely love. If you're not familiar with the name, learn it. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be a superstar. He's great, he's young, he made the opening day roster. He's gonna play third base. He is fantastic. This infield, really good. Adalberto Mondesi is really good. Nicky Lopez, a friend of mine, and a friend of Flippin' Bats Pod had him on last year. He hit over th- he hit 300 last year. Potent- he's a gold glove type of guy. He was a finalist, perhaps should have won it. Correa ends up getting it. He's great. I look around the outfield. There's just, there's just potential everywhere for this team to hit really well. Pitching-wise, worries me, but I do think when all is said and done, they are at least in the hunt for a wild-card spot, at least within a couple of games where... It's maybe in reach. It's not like a far-fetched thing. Okay? Bold prediction there. Next up in the American League Central, Carlos Correa. I want to talk Correa, and I want to talk about how I think that he's going to opt out after his first year in Minnesota. My bold prediction, Carlos Correa is in Minnesota. He's a twin for one year. I don't think this was ever in the plans. I don't. I don't think Carlos Correa was a Houston Astro, left, was thinking he was going to make $300 million and was thinking he would be a Minnesota twin for a decade. I don't. I don't believe it. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what he's saying. I don't believe he wanted to be a twin for a decade. I believe he wanted to be a Minnesota twin this year and potentially for more. But I do think he opts out after this year. I think a big reason I'm saying that is because I think he has a really good year. Carlos is a stud. He's a stud, and I think he's gonna go in, he's gonna have a good year, he's gonna opt out, and he's gonna go get that deal that he wanted all along somewhere else. Eight to 10 years, around $300 million, that's what he wanted, that's what he deserved, and I think the lockout really played a big factor in him not getting that. So, what's next best? Okay, well, I'm gonna sign a shorter deal with opt-outs after every year, and guarantee myself enough money to officially become the highest paid infielder in Major League Baseball history in 2022. That's a pretty good deal. He took it. I think he plays great. I think he opts out, and I think he signs a long-term deal elsewhere after this year. One more bold prediction for you in the AL Central. The Detroit Tigers rookies. You guys know I'm a sucker for the Tigers. But this, I feel good about. My bold prediction is that the Tigers have two of the three rookie of the year finalists. Now, I'm still saying this despite Riley Green getting hurt and now he's not going to be on the team for opening day. He's going to be out for a little while. I'm saying he still comes back In becomes one of the top three rookies. Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, both finish in that top three. You know, the the final three. There's three finalists for every award. The final three could all come from the AL Central, theoretically. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be fantastic, but there might be a guy in the AL West that we'll get to in a little while that I think will have a little something to say about that. But I think two of these three, I think Torkelson and Green finish as two of the three Rookie of the Year Finals. That's bold. You want bold, I got bold. Love that. Tigers are getting there, man. The Tigers are getting there. They're going to be better. All right. As always, we're going to bring in a guest to talk some AL Central. This time, it is Pedro Mora. Let's welcome in Pedro right now. Pedro, thank you so much for joining me again today, my friend. Yeah, good to see you, Ben. How you doing? I'm doing great. We're getting closer, man. We are so Close. All right, so let's talk some AL Central. Pedro, when you look at this division, what are, let's, let's talk about some storylines, some top things that you're looking at this year in the American League Central.
3: Yeah, I mean there's there's actually a lot. You know, this this division is uh, is going to introduce a, a, a potentially several future stars this season, I think. Um or at least a couple, <laughs> at least a couple. And that's going to be fun yeah. to watch. Um but if I'm if I'm going to, you know, take down the list of like maybe the stuff that's going to catch most of my attention this season, I think number 1 is the White Sox and and specifically their lineup. Uh and how dangerous it can be, how healthy it'll be. This is a group that last year when when it's individual members were on the field, they generally were among the best in baseball. Uh, they just didn't stay on the field very much. You know, that that team was still significantly better than its peers in division, e- even without help. But if they are healthy, I think they're a real threat. You know, Luis Robert, I know I know you're a big fan of his Ben, And, uh, you know, if he can string together 140, 150 game plus season, you know, you're talking about a, an actual superstar, you know, a, uh, a top of the line player. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, can he be healthy? You know, across the board, even Yasmani Grandal, their their catcher, uh, a veteran, but he was really good when on the field last year. And if this is a group that you know one through nine stays on the field, that's um, we might be looking at the best offense in the American League.
1: Pedro, I have a a thought, an opinion that I want to bounce off of you, and it it's regarding the White Sox lineup and a player you mentioned. So I want to ask, am I am I crazy here for thinking that Luis Robert? Is a potential future MVP? I, I think he's a perennial. I think he's going to be a perennial MVP candidate for years to come. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go that far. The latter thing you said, the first
3: thing, absolutely. I think that's within his, you know, within his his potential without, without doubt. I think the issue is he's displayed some injury risk and he is, you know, True. to be a perennial MVP candidate, you need to stay on the field. And I think I'd need to see this year and I need to see how he looks through his mid twenties before I proclaim that. But you know, do I think that's within reach for you know once or twice in his career at this point? Absolutely. I mean, this is—he was one of the best players in baseball when he was on the field last year. So I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a stretch to say that. You know, if you said could he win the AL MVP this year, I would say yes. You know, yes, I, I do think so. Yeah. So I'm with you.
1: That's a good point. I, I'm just—I'm a big, big positivity guy. I like to refuse to even believe that injuries are in the question, but realistically, you're absolutely right. Okay, White Sox offense. There, what, what do you got for me? What's another storyline we should be on the lookout for?
3: Shane Bieber. I mean, you want to be optimistic, man. Here's here's one for you that that this requires optimism, right? This is a guy who, when he was pitching last <laughs> year, was the best in baseball, I think, and uh, and and or the second best in baseball because Jacob deGrom exists. Uh, but, but after that, I mean, this guy was, uh, absolutely dominant and, uh, it, you know, but had a shoulder injury and, and is purportedly healthy, has been pitching in spring training. And, you know, he, like the, the Guardians' success is absolutely dependent on him. You know, they've not invested much in the roster. They do have him. They have Jose Ramirez, obviously. But he, if, if they are to go anywhere near, uh, the playoffs, it's going to be because Shane Bieber throws 220 dominant innings. And you know if he does that, he's a Cy Young. I mean, he's my Cy Young expectation right now. I think it's um, you know it's a little optimistic based on his injury history, but it's 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 within reach because this is a guy that strikes out, you know, uh, uh, fourteen for nine, and and, and um, it, it's he's a he's a really really hard to hit uh, pitcher, and it's uh, it's impressive to watch him when he's when he's healthy and on his game.
1: Pedro, is there any chance here? Let's say Shane Bieber is at the top of his game and Jose Ramirez is at the top of his game and doesn't get traded, gets extended, best case scenario. Can the Guardians be any good?
3: I mean, if if, if optimism runs the day, I'll go uh I'll go eighty eighty something. Best case. Best case. So that's you know, okay. Is, is there a world in which the Guardians make the 2022 Twelve team playoff field, yes, yes. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not gonna, you know, get into how <laughs> likely it is.
1: I'll just say yes.
3: There is a there's a chance. Yes.
1: I love it. I love the positivity. Okay, one more storyline. Hit me. How about the
3: um? How about the twins and then and then what their plan is for the season? You know, last year they were obviously um, considered a competitor of the White Sox. Did not finish the season that way whatsoever. But they reinvested in the roster. Um, you know, I think. There's a lot of people around the game who are very interested in what they've constructed in their, in their lineup specifically. I'm a little concerned about the rotation. I think there's a lot of, um, they're placing a lot of hope on some unproven fellows in there and um, there's, there's the potential to be good, but there's also an uncertainty. And in order for them to survive the, you know, the six months slog of the season in order for them to contend with the White Sox who have, you know, proven starters across the rotation, even though one of them, Lance Lynn is hurt right now. The twins are going to need some of their young starting pitching to be to be good, to be better than the industry expects. Uh, Joe Ryan, their opening day starter, is, you know, is, is vastly inexperienced, but people believe in him. So we'll see. I, I think it's very interesting to, to invest, you know, in, in the number one free agent on the market as at a position and then not invest much in your rotation and to see uh, you know, it's a counterintuitive approach, you could say. And so I think it's um I, I'm very interested to see how that plays out over, over the six month season.
1: Absolutely. Me as well. Okay. So this division is a little more exciting than it has been in years past. And there's getting to be some big names, some exciting players just outside of the White Sox. So what I want to ask you now is when it comes to the AL Central this year, who are some top players that you are most excited to watch that people should also be excited to watch? Yeah, so
3: my the first one I've written down I feel like is now uh, is now overkill. So it's Luis Robert, which we've we've discussed. So let's, let's he's he's up there, you know, got <laughs> got um, sufficient publicity here. Um, let's go Spencer Torkelson. I mean, you know this. It's, yes, I think it's great. I think it's great when they um when a team promotes a player to their opening day roster to begin the season. You know service time. Uh, not not part, not the uh, preeminent part of their decision, that's great. And Spencer Torkelson can hit. You know, he's hit at every level he's been at, you know, certainly since college, I believe since high school, very likely since any age he played before that. You know, this is a absolutely dominant <laughs> hitter at almost every level we've played it. And, uh, and since he's at ASU, a lot of us have had our eyes on him. And what does that translate to the major league level? And, you know, now we're going to get to see it, you know, and uh, Miguel Cabrera has handed him first base. And this is, you know, the passing of a torch, which is nice to see in baseball. And we don't usually see it um, at the start of a season. You know, it usually happens sometime in May or June. And it's pretty cool that, you know, on opening day, we're going to be able to see this, this fellow who we knew for a long time could hit, um, you know, hitting a major league pitch.
1: Pedro, I am so glad you put him in this conversation, as you know, Big. I, I will always root for Detroit. It's the organization that gave me a chance for so many years. So I've been following Torque in his career since the day he was drafted. Even before then, I've been talking about him for a year. I am glad you believe in him as much as I believe in him. And I am so glad that the Tigers put him on the opening day roster. People should be pumped up to watch this guy. He is going to be very good for a very long time, in my opinion, so I'm glad you agree. What is uh, who's your next player? Let's go.
3: Uh, let's go, Carlos Correa. I mean, he he chose the central. None of us would have expected. You know, if we had done this a month ago, the likelihood that we would have talked about him in this division would have been, I think, the you know, if we 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 could have picked the other five to discuss him before we would discuss this one. Uh, and so I think it's crazy that he picked the Twins. I, I especially on the contract <laughs> that he did. Um, crazy in the sense that none of us expected it. It makes perfect sense for him in the sense that he gets, you know, he gets to get paid at a a commensurate level for short term and and with some insurance behind that. So, but, you know, can he carry this team that has flaws to postseason contention? I think he's sort of not entirely, but he's somewhat staking his reputation as a playoff leader. On whether he can make some magic out of this, and I think you know the way the Twins have handled his arrival there, but you know with with their behind the scenes cameras introducing him to the team and whatnot. This is this is a guy who's really going in there as as if he is the 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 new leader and and you know the the for lack of a better word savior of this of this roster this organization. And I think that's an interesting um, I think that's an interesting case and. You know, obviously, if he plays like he did last year, they have a pretty good chance at making the playoffs. You know, he hasn't always been that hitter, but, you know, he's still at an age where he can absolutely remain at his prime. And he was he was, you know, fantastic a year ago. So I'm curious to see what he is and what that means for Minnesota.
1: If we had had this conversation a month ago and you would have told me that Carlos Correa is going to be on your list of players to watch in the AL Central. I would have called you crazy, Pedro, but here we are. He is a member of the Minnesota Twins. They are going to rake, and they are going to give up some runs. So, if anything, a team that will at least be exciting to watch. Um, So, okay, exciting to watch leads me to this question. For people that are listening that might not be the most diehard baseball fan in the world, there's a lot of new names coming to the AL Central this year. Give me a few names that people need to know this year in the American League Central, whether it be a rookie or just an under-the-radar player that you think might take off this year.
3: Yeah, so so this guy, the first one I'm going to mention, he's not under the radar, right? Uh, but he is a rookie, so I hope this counts. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. He's certainly not under the radar. Counts. About a, yes. about. A, about as over the on the radar as any rookie could ever be, uh, you know, right. A, a spring ago, a spring ago, he was, you know, there were, there were real talks for him to make the uh, major league opening day roster. I believe as a teenager, um, this, this guy has, this. he has the baseball pedigree. you know, the son of a former major leaguer has, um, has has hit at every level. It was a high draft pick out, out of Texas high school, and um, is proving to be ready in, in spring training again this year. In surprise at the Royal spring training, and they're going to entrust uh, a position to him. It certainly seems like, and it's hard to quibble with that. I mean, this this guy has hit. He um, he is his body is major league ready. He's strong. He's <laughs> he's he's an incredible um, you know young man for the position. And I think you know within you know I said he's. Uh, he's not under the radar, but if you think he's not under the radar now, well, let's let's wait to see in two months or three months, you know, and and where he is. So I think if you don't know that name yet, which I'm guessing if you're listening to this,
1: you probably do, but if you don't, you'll you'll know it soon. I I promise. He is the definition of a super prospect. And what's really cool is there's a few of them in the American league this year when it comes to super prospects. So great, great name there. Uh, Who you got next?
3: Yeah, let's let's go with another Royals, um, another
1: Royals prospect,
3: MJ Melendez, who who didn't who didn't crack yeah. the opening day roster, but specifically because he's a catcher and um and, and you know the Royals have have a catcher who's really good who's had a career or late career renaissance in Salvador Perez who they really have you know absolutely no desire to remove from that position, given that he's tied into the, the team long term and he's and he's raking you know more than he did in his twenties. And so MJ Melendez is going down to AAA, but he's also expected to get some time in the outfield. Uh, not necessarily as a long-term home for him, but potentially as a way to get his his pretty potent bat into their lineup pretty soon. And so, if the Royals are you know are going for it here, are are making a run at it, and they they have a need for another bat, perhaps we could see MJ Melendez, which would be an interesting um an interesting move. It's all it's it's always the it's the age old problem that teams confront what do you do when one of your best prospects plays one of the positions that you're you your, your, you know franchise cornerstone plays you know do you trade them do you move them do you wait you know yeah. and, and they look like they might be they look like they might be electing the move for now
1: yep good point okay uh one more let's go with one more player that people need to know I'll stick with um I'll stick with the Tigers uh, to go back to the okay. the Torkelson.
3: and Riley Green. You know he's not he's not going to be on the opening day roster. Love it. Uh, injuries have, have have sapped him up some time in spring, but he is going to be <laughs> if the Tigers are making a run for it, which I do expect. You know I I I don't know that they're going to win this thing, but I think they're going to be in the mix. And Riley Green's bat is going to be relevant to the to their chances to do so. And I think they've shown with their Torkelson decision, they've demonstrated that they are ready to push prospects if they think that that increases their chances of contending. And that's what it's going to be required to, that's what's going to be required to promote promote green. And I think they will do it. I think they absolutely will do it. This is another guy who's hit (laughs) at every, at every level, maybe not to the same extent as Torkelson, but plays a little bit more of a defensively demanding position and, and absolutely could be, you know, I know scouts who think that this guy's a future all-star. So I, I think whenever he arrives, he will be fun to watch.
1: All right, Pedro, I will, uh, I'll slip you that $10 bill for mentioning both Torkelson and Green in this conversation a little bit later. Uh, thank you for joining me to talk some AL Central. Before I let you go, the big question, who wins the American League Central? Yeah,
3: I think I was kind of tipping my hand um to this you know uh but I I will go I'll go with the Chicago White Sox still I think it's going to be a little bit more um I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than some people realize you know some of the projections have the gap is 15-ish games I don't see it that way I think it's going to be less than 10 but um but I still I still have the Chicago White Sox they just have you know they have the most currently good players at the major league level and I think I'm going to bet on that for now
1: all right sounds good Pedro Thank you for joining me, my friend. Make sure you follow Pedro's work, Pedro Mora, on social media. Good stuff. Good writing for us as well. Thanks again, my friend. Thanks, man. See you. All right. Thanks to Pedro again for joining me. Now let's get into top lineup, pitching staff, newcomer of the year in the Central, and eventually who I think is going to win the division. Top offense in the American League Central, Chicago White Sox. Hands down. Easy decision. Luis Robert, potentially MVP guy. Please stay healthy. Pretty please, Tim Anderson at shortstop. Haven't talked about him yet today. Pretty good over there. Um, Jose Abreu, former MVP. Aloy Jimenez, all the power in the world. Yasmani Grandal is great behind the plate. Yoan Mankata. I mean, it just goes on and on with this team. The lineup is so deep. They're so good. Easy one for me there. Top lineup in the American League Central, the Chicago White Sox. Top pitching staff, Chicago White Sox. I really like this pitching staff. The, the, the Lance Lynn injury does hurt. That scares me. And it's getting dangerously close to the young Detroit Tigers pitching staff taking, taking over that spot. But Lucas Giolito... I think Dylan Cease really steps up. I still like the staff as a whole. The bullpen is really, really good. That's where this White Sox team separates themselves. If this, if this what we were doing right now on the podcast was top pitching rotation in the American League Central, I would really consider taking the Tigers, especially with Lynn being out. But this is top pitching staff, top to bottom, including the middle relief guys, the setup guys, the closers. And that's where you just can't hold a candle. That's the saying, right? Hold a candle to the White Sox bullpen. It is really good, even with Garrett Crochet leaving, even with Craig Kembrell getting traded, having Liam Hendricks at the back end. Um, Kendall Graveman is a good addition there this year. They're just so good back there. And that's what separates them. The Chicago White Sox is the, ta- the top pitching staff in the American League Central. Now... Newcomer of the year in the AL Central. Newcomer of the year, Spencer Torkelson. Yeah, I just talked about him. I've talked about him a lot, and I, I'm gonna continue to talk about him a lot all year long throughout the season. He is that good. He will be that good in his career. Everybody should know the name. I think he's I think he will potentially be rookie of the year. We'll talk about all my rookies and rookie of the year later but i think he'll be in that final 3 discussion for me in the AL Central Spencer Torkelson is the newcomer of the year which leaves the only thing left who is my AL Central champion they run it back the Chicago White Sox they're 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 too deep they're too good top to bottom in the lineup the rotation the bullpen where's their weakness Where's their weakness? I, I don't see it. I don't know. Can't find it. I think they coast. I think they coast in the regular season. I think teams like the Tigers and the Royals are getting better. I think the Twins will win some of those games because they will just absolutely rake. But I'm not overthinking this one. The White Sox win it. I think they win it by about five games. Most people are predicting they win it by like 15 games. I think they win it in the five to 10 game range. Division winner. Division winner. AL Central, Chicago White Sox, AL West, here we go. As with the AL Central, the American League West has also gotten a lot better. This division is not just the Houston Astros and then another tier and then the bottom feeder. It's just not anymore. This division has gotten a lot better. There are a lot of storylines I could talk about here, but I picked my top three storylines. Let's get into those. My first storyline in the AL West is the Mariners. The Mariners and their playoff drought. It has been forever. It has been almost my entire lifetime since the Mariners have been in the playoffs. That's not quite true, but over half of my life. So, yeah, that's fine. It has been a long time. It is the longest playoff drought in Major League Baseball. But those newcomers, these young guys, and by newcomers, I don't just mean rookies. I mean, there's a lot of new guys on this team that already was good last year. Jesse Winker added via trade. Huge pickup. My top left fielder in baseball this year. Eugenio Suarez hits a billion home runs. Was one of the best hitters in baseball the, the final month of the year last year with the Reds. Winker And Suarez go over in a trade. I played with Suarez, by the way. We were teammates for a little while in the Detroit organization. And he is just an awesome, awesome dude. So an easy guy to root for. Adam Frazier will be up there in hits to to lead the American League. He's a stud. But Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez has made the opening day roster. He will be on the team for the Seattle Mariners. And he is a, a, a super prospect. I, I can't, I don't want to overuse the word stud. But if ever there were a, a guy that is a stud, it is Julio Rodriguez. I think he's going to be really good for that team. Robbie Ray. Remember how I talked about how it's never good? It's never a good thing when you lose the Cy Young Award winner as the Toronto Blue Jays did. Well, it's always a good thing when you can add one. And the Mariners did that. Robbie Ray will be at the top of that rotation. The depth there in the rotation is a question mark. But there are potential guys to be really good. Guys that I do believe will be really good in the future. But what can you get from them this year? There are some question marks there. Bullpen as well. But I believe these newcomers for the Seattle Mariners take them from being a pretty good team last year, to being a really good team this year. Next up in the American League West, my storyline here is the Angels. The Los Angeles Angels' health. Yeah, this one, how do you not put this as a storyline in the West? They're talented. They have all the talent in the world. They have the number one and two best players in baseball, according to Major League Baseball. Um, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, will be MVP frontrunners, candidates this year. But can they stay healthy? Anthony Rendon, what's going to happen there? Mike Trout, can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? Last couple of years, it hasn't been a foregone conclusion that that's going to be the case. Shohei Otani, thankfully, healthy last year. We saw what he can be. And what he can be is the best player in baseball and put together the best season that we've ever seen. Certainly the most exciting season that we have ever seen. Noah Syndergaard, a big addition on the pitching side, coming off so many injuries. All the injuries. Tommy John surgery, a a torn bicep, a hamstring thing. The, The list goes on. But he seems healthy in spring training. They need that. The health of the Angels will be vital to their success. So keep an eye on that this year. They can be and are good enough to be in the running. Their offense is great. Pitching can hold up. But they have to stay healthy. Above everybody else. When it comes to injuries. What team needs it the most to stay healthy. And can't afford to, for guys to go down. It's the Angels. Health of the Angels a the storyline there. My final storyline in the AL West. Is the Houston Astros. And their pitching. How will it go? By my In my account. In my eyes, their rotation is good. Fromber Valdez is going to start opening day. My brother, Justin Verlander, is back. Looks great in spring. Luis Garcia, almost the rookie of the year. I mean, rotation is good, but they need them to be good is the thing here. So this offense won't be the problem. They need the pitching staff to hold up and to be good. They can't afford for guys to go down. They actually need Lance McCullers to come back. Nobody really knows what's happening with Lance McCullers. Will he pitch this year? Will he he be back in a week or two? Nobody really knows. It doesn't seem like he even really knows. They're kind of playing it by ear, but he's a guy that they need in that rotation. He was one of the best pitchers in the American League last year. The Astros' pitching performance will be vital in the AL West this year, and that is why it is my final storyline out in the AL West. But now... On some bold predictions. Bold predictions in the AL West. First up, my first storyline was about the Mariners' drought. My first bold prediction is that the Mariners end that playoff drought. I'm a believer in this team. I really am. The knock on them, this is the knock on the Mariners' team. Well, last year, they really weren't as good as their record. They Their run differential wasn't good. They got lucky to win that many games. I don't care about last year. This team got better. They were good last year. Maybe they played above their potential. Maybe they played better than they were supposed to. Maybe they even won more games last year than they should have. But this team this year will be good again, and they will be better than they were with the additions of the guys that I mentioned earlier. Winker, Suarez, Julio Rodriguez, Robbie Ray. Jared Kelnick, I think, gets better. My bold prediction is the Mariners end their playoff drought. It is done. It is over. I hope I'm right. Mariners, please make me look good. That's a bold one. Next bold prediction in the American League West. Let's see. Let's go with the Angels. The Angels will have the MVP and the runner-up. So I'm starting to see here my... My bold predictions are right in line thus far with my storylines. Angel's Health talked about that and how important it is. This prediction, obviously, that that needs to come true. They need to stay healthy. Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout will finish one and two in the MVP voting. I'm not going to say right now who I think will go one, who I think will win the MVP award because I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes when I do my AL MVP and all my other awards. But my bold prediction here is that the Angels have the MVP and the MVP runner-up, which would just be wild. All right, last bold prediction in the American League West is the Houston Astros get back to the ALCS for the sixth consecutive time. We need to think about this for a second. We we really, truly need to soak this in. The Houston Astros have been to the ALCS five years in a row. Five years in a row. I mean, that is wild. My prediction here is they get back. Carlos Correa, obviously gone. That's tough. Jeremy Pena will step in. I think he's going to be good. I don't, he's not Carlos Correa. We shouldn't expect that. He's a guy you can plug in eight or nine in the lineup. Hopefully play good shortstop. Kyle Tucker, friend of flipping Bats Pod, will hit in like the six hole. He's an MVP candidate last year in that conversation for sure. I like the Houston Astros to get back to the ALCS for the sixth consecutive time, which would just be absolutely bonkers. That'd be crazy. All right. So now let's welcome in our guest for the AL West. He is a massive, massive fan of the Seattle Mariners and the other half of the Cespedes Barbecue Boys. So Jordan Schusterman, let's bring him in now. Welcome back in, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure, Ben. Yes, I,
0: I'm trying to, trying to be as, as wide-ranging as possible here. Very happy to be back on it. I'll try to keep my, my bias in check here as a Mariners fan.
1: Yes, for, uh, Jordan is a massive Mariners fan, so I am fully expecting every single thing we talk about to be Mariners-related. Um, all right, Jordan, AL West this year got better, a lot better so uh, let's go over some storylines this year, some some things to watch this year in the AL West. What do you got for me?
0: So I'm you, you're you're leading into this perfectly for me, Ben, because to your point, the <laughs> AL West got a lot better. And the the three things that I'm watching, the top things, let's, let's go to those teams that got better. Let's start with my Seattle Mariners, okay? Because what I'm most interested in here is yes, they they definitely got better. They signed the Cy Young Award winner. They traded. For multiple all-stars, Adam Frazier, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, who has more homers than any player in baseball over the last four years. But they won 90 games last year through a lot of a lot of luck. And 90 wins is gonna be hard in a division that it would obviously improved. And so I'm wondering like. They got better, but can they even still win, win 90 games again? Um, and and I don't know. I I, I think that they're going to be in that mix uh, for for one of those wild card spots. But I think that the lineup is still not super-duper deep. It looks way better than it did last year. And they also had so much uh, bullpen luck last year, too. I mean, it's, it is a good bullpen, but the injuries have already started to pile up, losing Sadler and, and Giles to start the year. So... I think the Mariners got better, but I still can't believe that they're going to win 90 games again. So uh, I'm trying to stay optimistic, but that's definitely one of the first things I'm looking out for.
1: Well, you are more than welcome to stay optimistic on this show whenever you want, okay? We love the optimism (laughs) around here. I'm actually more optimistic, if possible, about the Mariners Mm -hmm. than most because I I think the Mariners got a lot better. Now, I'm also Mm -hmm. understanding of the fact that I do believe – I don't know if luck is the word, but for them to win the 90 games they won last year, they definitely had some good fortune on their side. Their run differential was obviously low, so I feel like people look at that. In my opinion, Jordan, the Mariners got a lot better. I mean, you add the Cy Young winner, you add Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, who you mentioned, I also feel like we're not talking about Adam Frazier, who was leading the National League in hits at the time he got traded last year and definitely scuffled there in that environment, but he's now going to be on that team. I like what the Mariners have done a lot. I don't know if they get back to that exact same win mark, but I think it's good enough to get them right on the edge of contention for perhaps the division, but definitely a wildcard spot. No, I I think that that they could, and it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Obviously, it's still a
0: very a very young team, and so you can you can project a lot of growth the way that they did last year. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stay realistic. I think they're gonna be good, but I'm not trying to get too crazy. But I do want to get okay. to some of the other teams, and we'll we'll get back to the Mariners. Of course, we'll talk about Julio here a okay. little bit, but I want to talk about the Rangers because we talk about getting better, and this was a team that was was very very bad last year. They were not a
1: watchable.
0: Mm-hmm baseball team by many measures hard to stay uh, positive
1: about the the rangers last year
0: (laughs) (laughs) right but hey what's a good way to turn that around spend an insane amount of money, which we love to see. And I and that's fantastic. It, it was like, you know, I, I'm fascinated by it, by rebuilding in baseball and so much. I, I wrote a whole thing about it where, where it, for, for Fox where, you know, it's, it's usually a multi-step process, right? You, you you build up the farm system and you draft well and whatever, and then you spend the money. The Rangers have decided, you know what, let's skip those steps. We'll, we'll do those too, but let's just skip straight to, you know, buying a couple MVP candidates and like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Right. And I love that. I, I can't say that's a bad move. But I'm still looking at this pitching staff, and I'm still looking at some of the other parts of the roster, and I'm thinking, how good is this team even going to be after spending all this money? I hope that they do, obviously, with the new stadium. Obviously, when the Rangers are good, those fans are fantastic. But I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still pretty skeptical here, and, and I do wonder if they if they spend nearly enough uh, on, on the pitching staff as, as they did on offense. It's not, a, it's not a bad idea to bring in Semien and Seeger, but I'm, that's another question, where how much better does they really get even spending all that money? I love the moves. Well, but I, I don't know. They're going to have to need some arms to really step up
1: there that we are not foreseeing coming. I'm with you. I'm skeptical as well. And In fact, I, I don't think they get to become a 500 team in the AL West. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind, of, it kind of begs the question, this team went out in the offseason and spent half of a billion dollars Jordan, which is wild. So it just makes me wonder like, okay, I don't think this team's going to be 500 this year. They spent half a billion dollars. When you're starting Mm -hmm. from scratch, like you said, they skipped a few steps. They weren't very good. They hadn't been drafting well. So you start from scratch and you're a really bad team. How much money do you need to spend to start from scratch and be good the very next year? Because I don't think it's half a billion dollars. It might be a billion dollars. (laughs)
0: Well, and that's the thing. And I think what, what what we have to realize in in baseball, especially nowadays, is is yeah, the the big payrolls can can help, and why uh, we encourage all teams to spend more than they have, that's that's great, right? But the reason why the teams at the top are so good is because yes, they can spend like the Dodgers and the Yankees and you know the Astros can, but they're also nailing things at the bottom half of the roster. And that is just not something yeah. that Texas has shown an ability to do um, at least so far. Right. And so maybe that maybe Jack Leiter is just going to be in the big leagues by the end of the year. That's like not the craziest thing in the world, but that's <laughs> one pitcher, right? Uh, Josh Young, their top yeah. position player prospect. It's It sucks that he already got hurt to start the year. He could have impacted the club um, probably pretty early in the season had he not gotten hurt. So it's not that they don't have guys, you know, y- younger players that can help them soon, but the depth, I, I'm just not seeing it. And so, and so I'm, I'm definitely a little bit, big concern with with Texas although the, the, the thing about them before we get to the next team here which I'm sure you will have mm-hmm. strong opinions on um, is <laughs> is that like I don't even really know how much pressure is on the Rangers yet you know, because yes, they did just spend right. all this money, but I'm not sure if Rangers fans are expecting to get 10. I think maybe they are looking more towards next year and hope that Samien and Seeger are, are still, you know, in their MVP primes, which they very well may be. And so, you know, maybe that plan works out, but I'm with you. I, I think even stepping 500 this year would be probably a successful outcome.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point. It's a good, it's a good starting point. You have a middle of your infield um, set for the future. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit me with one more, one more storyline.
0: All right. So we just talked about, as I just brought up, you know, expectations and pressure, right? And so the Mariners, of course, mm-hmm. have the weight of the playoff drought. The Rangers did not. I mean, they could have done nothing. Then we still would have been expecting them to the bottom page. So I don't think those fans are, you know, expecting much. Now the Angels. Oh boy. Okay. I know this is close yeah. to your heart, Ben. Th- it's, this is it, man. We, we got to make something happen here. <laughs> we, can't be, we can't be waiting anymore. We cannot be wasting any more time. And yes, they did make some offseason moves that, that I can understand some fans being excited about. But as someone who has observed this division closely for the last 10 years, I will not believe it until they actually do it. This is also a franchise that has struggled immensely to build up, not just around you know the few stars around Mike Trout and obviously now Shohei Otani, but it's 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 you know you know roster spots five through twenty five, not just fifteen through twenty five or twenty eight. It's just been such a struggle. Um, and and I, look, there are things to be excited about in this team, and I do like some of their offseason moves. But I, I like I said, there as I, we can keep getting excited on paper until they go out and do it. I am not going to believe that this, that this angels team is is really going to be good enough to, to compete. I'm not saying they're going to be bad as bad last year, obviously with trap being out for that long. um, That's just going to crush them. But like
1: I said, man, I, this still smells like a 500 team or so. At least they've looked in the mirror and understood the problem. Now you have, uh, you have the new GM come in who drafts in 25 rounds. 25 pitchers, okay? And then this offseason, <laughs> he goes out and acquires all pitching. Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Loop, re-signs Iglesias, Michael Lorenzen. I mean, just bring in a boatload of pitchers. And Jordan, it's, it's bound to help. I'm not going to say that they're going to be a playoff team. But they have the two best players in baseball, Mike mm-hmm. Trout and my friend Shohei, that you've probably heard of. And they (laughs) bolstered the pitching side of things. So, look, the Astros are going to be good in the AL West, but I at least think the Angels can compete now, at least a little bit over the 500 mark. That's my hope. I want to see them good. And I think they're a team that, I don't think this is a stretch to say this. You, even as a Mariners fan, you're a fan of a rival team in that division. Everybody wants the Angels to be good. Everybody wants Mike Trout and Shohei to get to the playoffs at some mm-hmm. point. And I'm sure you don't want it at the Mariners' demise or instead mm-hmm. of them. But they're just a team that people want to root for and hope they are good.
0: Oh, well, here's the thing, man. Like, I, you're totally right. And I'm not, I'm not. this. To me, it's like the Mariners have been, you know, terrible for all these years over the last decade. Why weren't you making the postseason then? Uh, now it's like I'm expecting the Bears <laughs> to get in. Now we gotta. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say, oh, now the Angels get in. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously, I, I agree with you, and, and obviously, for for the good of the sport, it would obviously be better to have them in, in the post. So I agree with you. But all that said, Ben, let's get to the, the division winner. I mean, come on, still the Astros.
1: <laughs> because, okay, so your because, division winner, oh, despite all of yeah. this, is the Houston oh, Astros. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Again, this is the same thing as I talked to you with the NL East yesterday with the Braves. Uh, You know, these other teams made a lot more moves, Um, but Houston is still so good. And I I was screaming it from the rooftops for all of last season. And even in 2020, when they were struggling and then went on that postseason run, I know this. I know how good the Astros are. The Mariners are like two and 50 in Minute Maid Park over the last five years and that's barely an exaggeration okay this team is incredible it is still incredible even without carlos correa now you got justin verlander back i think you know a little bit about him like but it's not even just like the stars it's just it is it is a deep team this is a team unlike these other teams that has clearly been able to develop players in the bottom half of the roster to be legitimate contributors. Um, And I just, I'm still a huge believer that this is one of uh, the best lineups in baseball and still a pretty deep pitching staff. Um, Obviously we saw some of their flaws in the world series last year, but like they were in the world series again, because they're the Astros and they're so good. Uh, So yes, there's a few new faces here, but I still think they're the clear favorite and I would be, I would be surprised if they're not at the top uh, once again, at the
1: end of the season. Okay. So By the way, five consecutive ALCS appearances is pretty remarkable. uh, It really is. It really, really is. I believe you're correct there. I like your choice. Okay, let's talk about some – there's a lot of firepower in this division this year, Jordan, and I mean a lot. Who are some of the top players that you are most excited to watch in the AL West in 2022? So, you –
0: look, I don't need to spend more time on Otani. You're going to cover that, right? Trout, amazing. Yeah. Great. Otani's we're, we're... <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> not not going to waste my breath. Um, I, I do want to stick with Houston for a little bit, and, and I, it was hard to pick just mm-hmm. one. Um, but Kyle Tucker, man. Uh, Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, both guys, right? This is, this is not that they were, like, total nobodies. Obviously, Tucker was a first-round pick, and Alvarez got a lot of money, you know, signing out of Cuba. But, I mean, these guys are both capable of being, you know, all-star, fringe MVP caliber players, and that's why the Astros are still this good, right? It's, it's, we look at the core of, of Correa and Gurriel and Brantley er, er, you know, and, and, you know, Altuve and and Bregman. And it's like, great. It's like, oh no, we got another wave. We're good. Like, that's fine. Correa can right. go on and Bregman can be like, kind of relatively disappointed last year, And it doesn't matter. And I think Jordan in particular, Tucker last year, I cannot imagine him being that much better. But, I mean, if he's that good, amazing. He's going to be an MVP candidate. I think Jordan has another level to reach as a hitter where he's just you know, as feared as it gets. Which is ridiculous, but I agree. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> which is ridiculous. But you look at the way he started his career. I mean, he's 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 amazing. And so, uh, both of those guys, I think, just is a great way. to. I'm just watching both of them to see if they can put up just a totally monster offensive season um, in Houston.
1: Okay, and uh, that just that just speaks yeah. to your prediction of Astros winning the division because one of the names you mentioned, Kyle Tucker, Jordan is probably going to be hitting in the six hole, which is <laughs> right. mind blowing. He was an MVP candidate last year. The depth on this team is just ridiculous. So I like that. I like that pick.
0: He he totally was, and and we'll get to another another Astro here uh, in a little bit, but. Uh, I want to talk about okay. also another another Ranger before we get to, of course, Julio. Spoiler alert: We'll talk about Julio in a second. I, I gotta talk about uh, Adolis Garcia too because this is a guy who I just, as, as far as just watchable and energy, and this is this guy was making me tune into the 2021 Rangers, which is <laughs> which is a tough thing to do. Um, <laughs> and I, I gotta say, you know, a lot of the the peripherals would tell me that Adelise is like a huge regression candidate, striking out too much, not walking enough, so much swing and miss. You know, the pitchers are going to have a book on this year. And I think that's very possible. But I also think that just like the, the the swagger, the energy that he plays with is so infectious. And now that he has a little bit more help, um, I'm so excited to watch Adolis Garcia. He, he had some of my favorite moments of last year, both defensively and offensively, and I think he deserves uh, way more love uh, than he got. But again,
1: don't blame people for not watching the the, the Rangers last season. So, got a shout-out Garcia. Okay. Um, I yeah. like that. I, I hope for the sake of baseball and for the sake of the Rangers that he is more like the player that we saw in the first mm-hmm. half of last year. Mm-hmm. All right, so hit me with one more top player that you are excited to watch this year.
0: It's gotta be Julio. I know we'll get to the, 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 the mortal rookies here in a little bit, but I mean, this is it, man. This is the whole thing. I, I, I tweeted this. The J-Rod show. The J-Rod show is here and, and it's, it's, it's so crazy <laughs> because it's so hard to have, we've been so, spoiled with the players that have come up and have been so good so fast right and obviously the Mariners got a taste of the opposite of that with Kelnick last year and I still think Kelnick's going to be a really good player and his struggles last year are a separate situation but if you ask you talk to scouts you talk to Julio has been the guy right of course it's easy to lump him with Kelnick because they're in this you're going to share the same outfield roughly the same age whatever Julio's been the guy since he was 16 and the, to, to, to kind of play with the level of confidence and bravado that he does and back it up every step of the way, he has never, I mean, he really has not struggled like at all at any point. You look at his minor league track record, you look at him carrying the Dominican team to the, you know, the bronze medal in the Olympics as the youngest player on the field. Like he is, he is amazing on the field. He is amazing off the field. And, and this is it, man. I mean, the, the, everything about the Mariners in the way that we've seen, the the fortunes and the 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 kind of the narrative around the Blue Jays with Vlad, the Braves with Acuna, the Padres with Tatis, and obviously the Nationals with Soto. Like these players are capable of single handedly kind of raising a team to a different level, and Julio could do that. And, and if that happens, then then we're having a whole different conversation about the 2022 Mariners. Um, and it, dude, it's a lot of pressure, but I wouldn't shock me. Just wouldn't shock me. That's all I'm gonna say. It Just wouldn't shock me. So, I'm um, I'm excited, but try trying try, try to, try to stay trying to stay realistic. Try to.
1: You put that. Good. No, I I really like I really like how you put that, <laughs> and I know you could go on for hours about Julio Rodriguez, but I like what you said. What Soto is to the Nationals, Tatis to the Padres, Acuna with the Braves. This could be the Mariners guy. He is the definition. And I talked about this a little while ago with Bobby Witt, Bobby Witt Jr. Julio Rodriguez is the definition of a super prospect, and he is a guy that the entire world should be very, very excited to watch. So I'm glad you put him in this category. But before I let you go, I do want to ask you another question about players that aren't as, as well-known, some under-the-radar players, some rookies, some top prospects that people need to know their name. Jordan, give me a few of those guys. All right,
0: so I'm going to give you uh, – let's start uh, in Seattle again because um, I think uh, the, they just announced he made the team, and, and obviously Julio and, and Kellnick and the hitters usually get the, the acclaim, which makes sense. But Matt Brash is a dude. And th- this what this guy was able to do last year, rising from – he was a player to be named later in a trade – after the Austin Ola blockbuster in 2020. This was like, oh, all basically they were like, hey, we'll send you Taylor Williams too. Just give us this random pitcher from Niagara University that's barely pitched. And <laughs> Padres were like, sure, yeah, take him, Matt Brash. And then a year later, he was called up at the end of this year last year. He didn't end up making it into a game, but I talked uh, with the, with the AL, or NL East preview about Max Meyer's slider. And in terms of breaking balls mm-hmm. to Matt Brash, I mean, this thing is just vicious. And it is one of the more aesthetically uh, pleasing uh, breaking balls you're going to see in all of baseball this year. Uh, and also, he's running up in the mid 90s, so it's kind of a herky-jerky, kind of a violent delivery that that sort of screams reliever. But he won the fifth starter job, and and I'm I'm excited to watch Matt Brash pitch. He he's going to be. I, I don't know if he ends up being a starter long term, but he's definitely
1: going to help the Mariners very quickly this season. All right, Matt Brash, and and in the Mariners' rotation, I don't want to say they they need him, but. To get mm-hmm. something from a guy that you're not expecting in that rotation would take them from very good to mm-hmm. very very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And honestly, right. uh, you know, for for I was just gonna say for all you know, Depoto talking about
0: okay, we we got to trade for mm-hmm. obviously they signed Robbie Ray, but I think the reason why they didn't go out and, and trade for one of the Reds pitchers or Ace pitchers is because they're like, hey, Matt Brash is pretty pretty good, so we're just gonna roll yeah. with him. Yeah, true. Um. So all right, yeah. all right. Who next you else you got? guy. Next guy, this guy is going to have a ton of pressure on him in some ways, uh, but also like, again, as we mentioned, he's going to hit like eighth or nine. So it's not going to be much pressure. Jeremy Pena, the gentleman tasked with replacing Carlos Correa in Houston. I'm a uh, huge fan of this guy. Uh, this is a huge, I mean, look, it's, there's no, you can't replace Carlos Correa. Right. Um, but I think that, this guy's gonna be pretty good right away. Uh, I've been fascinated with Pena just because I remember when he was in college at University of Maine, um, he was just defense, defense, defense. He's the best defender in the country, blah, 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 blah. And then he put on like 20, 30 pounds of muscle and now he's like a legitimate hitter too. Uh, and and I, I always kind of yeah. thought of him as a glove first, but you used to look at the offensive numbers he was putting up in AAA last year. I think he's he is going to be ready to contribute right away. Of course, you, no one is going to be Correa. But when the lineup is this good, he'll be at the bottom of the order and he'll be able to to kind of, you know, adjust to major league pitching. And I think he's going to be a pretty good player pretty quickly. I, I think he I think he can handle it.
1: I think it's important to note because whenever you step into a position like that and by position – I don't mean literal position on the field. I mean Carlos Correa's replacement on the Houston Astros. The expectations are through the roof. Like you said, this Astros team doesn't need him to be Carlos Correa by any stretch of the imagination. They need him to play a good shortstop. They need him to hit eighth, ninth, and get on base a little bit. And that's all you can ask for from a guy like that. So you believe he can be that guy for the Houston Astros.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is the son of a former big okay. leaguer. It's not like he hasn't been around the game. Um, I'm, I'm a I'm a definitely a believer in, in Jeremy Pena. Okay. Um. All Perfect. right. One more, one more Ben. Yep, um, one more. I believe there is a fifth team in this division, correct? We, we, we I yes. don't think we've mentioned them, but there is one, right? It's they play in Oakland, yes. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. I've heard, so, I've heard look, of
1: them. I used to hear about them. <laughs>
0: So if you're an A's fan, uh, I don't know if you're listening to season preview podcast, but if you are, I'm going to throw you a bone here because I'm going to talk about one of my favorite random under the radar players. I don't think he's rookie eligible anymore, but let me just talk a couple minutes about Seth Brown. I love Seth Brown and I don't know if the A's look, the A's are it's you know, it's not pretty. I know they traded the whole squad, but. First of all, they're still going to find a way to win like seventy-five games, and you not—we're not going to understand how, but they are going to. That's not look. If I'm an A's fan, I'm not like happy about that. It doesn't mean it doesn't make me feeling right. But I don't think they're still going to find a way to be competent. They will not be good. But they will be competent, yep. and I truly think that Seth Brown, who hit twenty homers uh, in just two hundred and eighty-one at bats last year, has ridiculous raw power dating back to his the days as as the NAIA home run king. Uh, Lewis and Clark State in Idaho. I love Seth Brown. I think if he gets more playing time this year as the DH, I think he can hit 35 home runs. And uh, yeah, Seth Brown. There you go, A's fans. I gave you something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is what A's fans have to be excited about this year. Jordan, uh, let's see. Houston Astros, your division champs. A lot of good stuff from you. Hey, good luck to your Seattle Mariners this year. I think the entire world is excited to watch them. So Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Ben, anytime. All right, Jordan, thank you again for joining me. Now let's talk offense, pitching staff, division winner, and newcomer. We'll start with the top offense in the American League West. The top offense is the Houston Astros. I I talked about it a little while ago. Kyle Tucker, an MVP candidate in the sixth hole. They had Yuli Gurriel win the American League batting title last year, and he was hitting like sixth or seventh at times. Are you kidding me? Yes, I hear you. The Angels lineup is great, but so is the Astros lineup, and it's the depth that sets it apart. The Houston Astros will have the top lineup in the American League West this year. Pitching staff. Top pitching staff in the American League West, the Houston Astros. Look, I like it. I like it has Justin at the top. He's back. He's throwing great. He'll be back for the first time in... Two years almost. I, I'm hopeful Lance McCullers comes back at some point. Luis Garcia is great. From Valdez is really, really good. The depth in that starting rotation is good. I mean, people aren't talking about this rotation as being a great rotation. I really like it. Jake Odorizzi is at least a guy that can eat up innings for you as like a five guy. So top rotation in the American League West. Give me the Houston Astros. Newcomer of the year. Like I said, we can go anybody here. We could go rookie. We could go trade acquisition. The Mariners have a lot of those trade acquisitions. I'm going to stick with the Mariners, but I'm going to go Julio Rodriguez. We have talked about him a lot. I talked about him a lot. Jordan talked about him a lot. Julio Rodriguez, I think, within the next five years, will be, I'm not even going to say five years. I'm going to say the next three years will be one of the best players in baseball. He is that good. He is worth the hype. He is worth the watch. Stay up late. If you're on the East Coast, watch the Mariners because he is that good. He really and truly is. All right. AL West champion time. It's getting tougher. This division's getting tougher. The Mariners are going to be good. The Astros are going to be good. The Angels are going to be good. The Rangers spent half of a billion dollars. They're not going to be very good. But... My division winner is the Houston Astros. Until somebody knocks them off, let's not overthink it. Until somebody in that division proves that they are better than the Houston Astros, I'm going to pick them. I think they're the best team in this division. I think, obviously, I picked them for the top lineup, the top pitching staff. I think they're the best team. I think they're one of the best teams in the American League. And like I said, I think they get back to the alcs for the sixth consecutive time all right talking a lot about julio rodriguez in that aos got me to thinking about my top five rookies that i'm excited to watch in 2022 i i think in the american league this american league rookie class might be the greatest we have ever seen No, I'm not talking the top one guy, the top two guy, the top three guy. I'm talking this top five that I'm about to give you might be the best rookie class that we've ever seen. First up for me, Adley Rutschman, Baltimore Orioles. Unfortunately, he he got hurt, so he won't start the year with the Orioles. But this guy, for the last couple of years, has been the top prospect in baseball. He's a switch hitter. He's a catcher. He's really, really good. I'm excited to watch him at some point this year come up and showcase just why he has been the top prospect for a long time. Next up for me, number four on my list, we're going to go with Riley Green. Riley Green might even be higher on this list if, if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, but this order it's not like in an order that I'm like, this is how they're going to finish. It's just guys that I'm excited to watch. Riley Green is absolutely one of those. Riley Green is good defensively, he's good offensively, I think he makes a big difference and a big impact on this Detroit Tigers team when he does come back, I'm disappointed he got hurt, that stinks, but I think he comes back pretty quickly, takes over that center field spot, and is really good for the Detroit Tigers, I'm excited to watch him. Next up for me on this list of American League rookies is Julio Rodriguez. I mean, what more do I need to say? about? I've been talking about him for the past 10, 15 minutes, it seems. He's great. You don't want to miss him. Please watch him. This will only and forever be your one chance to say, I watched Julio Rodriguez his rookie year. This is your chance. He's absolutely on this list. Next up for me, Bobby Witt Jr. of the Kansas City Royals. Another super prospect. This is wild. These prospects are incredible. They're going to come up. They're going to be on the opening day roster, and they're going to make immediate impacts. This is something I think the CBA was fantastic for. This new agreement, a lot. there was a lot to take in there, and if you didn't keep up with the entire negotiation, I don't blame you one bit. But one thing that was put in, the new CBA agreement, allowed rookies to be brought up on opening day, and the whole service time manipulation thing was addressed. I think we're starting to see that. I think we're starting to see it help. Bobby Witt has made the opening day roster. Julio Rodriguez has made the opening day roster. Both of those guys are going to be studs. Bobby Witt Jr. is on this list. But my number one guy also made the opening day roster. Spencer Torkelson, Detroit Tigers. He has hit everywhere he's been. Everywhere. This guy's good. I've talked enough about him today. But Spencer Torkelson, torque, if you will, has some torque at the plate. The dude's got some pop. He's really good. He's going to play first base. If you haven't seen the video of Miggy, like, basically handing him a first baseman's mitt, telling him the position is his, it's pretty cool. I love Miggy. I love torque. I'm excited for the future of the Detroit Tigers. And at the top of my list of AL rookies to watch this year is Spencer Torkelson. So now let's move on to my playoff teams. All of them, the division winners I just named, the wild cards, top to bottom, one through six. Who is gonna be the AL playoff teams when all is said and done? Number one for me, the number one seed, Chicago White Sox. As good as the AL Central is getting, it's definitely not the best division. And I don't, it's definitely the easiest division in the American League, to be honest with you. The AL East is good. The AL West is good. The AL Central, there will be wins to come by. The Guardians will just not be good. The Twins, the the Royals, the Tigers, they're, they're getting better, but there's definitely some wins to be had there. I think the White Sox rack up the regular season wins. I think they finish as the number one seed in the American League. Second up for me, the two seed in the American League playoffs, the Toronto Blue Jays. I've told you guys, I'm a believer in this team. The reason I don't think they finish as the one seed is because the AL East is tough. It's a dogfight. They are not going to win that division by a lot. It is going to be tough to get wins in that division. I think they finish as the two seed. They win the AL East. They get into the playoffs as the two seed. Third up, the three seed for me, is the Houston Astros. I think they win the division. I think nobody ever wants to play them in the playoffs. Look, no matter how good they are in the regular season, you don't want to play the Astros in the playoffs. They for sure get there this year. I think they go in as the three seed. Now the tough ones, wild cards. There's three of them this year. In each league, six wild card teams, six division winners, for a total of 12 if you're not good at math. For me, the four seed, the first wild card team is going to be the Tampa Bay Rays. Like I said, I'll never bet against them. It's plain and simple. I don't know how they're going to do it. I know Wander Franco is going to be a big part of it, and I know they're going to do it. I'm not betting against them to not make the playoffs. The Rays end up as the four seed for me. The five seed and sticking in the American League East, the New York Yankees, they're just going to bop. They're going to mash. They're going to hit a lot of home runs. They're going to score a lot of runs. And let's be honest, It's the Yankees. They're going to make a trade. They're going to pick up somebody at the trade deadline. They're going to get a big pitcher, I think. I don't know who it's going to be. Not going to predict that yet. But I think they get into the playoffs, and I think they're going to be a scary team to play there as well. I think they get in as the five seed. Last up, the last spot for the American League playoffs, the Seattle Mariners. I predicted it a little while ago. I said I think the Mariners in their playoff drought. I really and truly believe they do. I think it comes down to the final series of the year. But I think they squeak it out. I really do. The Seattle Mariners round out the American League playoffs and finish as the sixth seed and end the drought. So that is one through six and who I think makes the American League playoffs. So now let's talk about, we know the playoff teams. We'll get to my champion in a little while. The awards, the big ones. Not like Newcomer of the Year, the one that I made up and I will give out at the end of the year. But the big ones, like Rookie of the Year, and MVP, and Cy Young Award. Let's start with the American League Rookie of the Year, who I think will win it. This might be a little shot in the dark here. This is a little under-the-radar one. Spencer Torkelson. I know he's not the favorite. Guys like Julio, Bobby Witt might be. But Spencer Torkelson, in my opinion... He's on the opening day roster. He'll be in that opening day lineup. I believe I have been watching his career since Arizona State. He got drafted by the Tigers, which I was pumped about. It's my old organization. I care a lot about them. I want to see them do well. I have been watching his career. The dude is awesome, and he's a really good guy. I think he wins AL Rookie of the Year in a year that will go down in history for being one of the greatest years for rookies. Uh, uh, in Major League Baseball history. Now let's talk Cy Young Award. My prediction for the American League Cy Young, I think, is Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, this... this I went back and forth on this, and you know, it actually, it actually became pretty tough on me, and my brother actually made this tough on me with the spring he had, to not pick him for American League Cy Young Award. Garrett Cole is... Electric when he's on. Obviously, down the stretch last year, he wasn't fantastic. If he was just average down the stretch, he would have won Cy Young. But Robbie Ray swooped in, friend of the podcast, Robbie Ray swooped in, wins the Cy Young Award, deservedly so. He was incredible. I think Garrett Cole does this year. I think they take into account how tough the division is. Everybody's really good in that division. Everybody. So It's going to be tough. If he puts up good numbers in that division, if he ends up with 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 wins with a low ERA, give it to him. The competition is too good. Garrett Cole, American League, Cy Young. That leaves the big one, my friends. American League MVP. I predicted earlier that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani would finish one and two in the voting. My prediction is that Shohei Ohtani runs it back. Back to back, baby. Give me Shohei Ohtani as the 2022 American League MVP. Not only do I think he wins, I think he was, I think he's better than he was last year. I think the protection he gets in the lineup, I think Mike Trout being back will help him tremendously all year long. Anthony Rendon being there. Who do you pitch around? You're not just going to pitch around Shohei Ohtani to get to Mike Trout, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. You're just not going to do it. Shohei continues to do great on the mound. He looks great in spring. I think he hits close to 50 home runs this year. I'm not overthinking this one. Shohei Otani, my man. We love him on this show. He runs it back. American League MVP back-to-back years. Let's go. I Can't wait to watch him. Opening day, I will be there to watch him on the mound. I cannot wait. Whew, I get fired up talking about Shohei. Now let's talk about my American League winner. We talked playoffs. We talked awards. All of that stuff. I talked about it a little bit earlier. I really do think this is the year of the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they win the AL pennant. I think they're fantastic. I think they face... The Houston Astros in that ALCS, which will be the biggest test. I don't care who's better than the Astros. That experience on top of the depth that they have. The Astros are great, and they have that experience. That will be the biggest test for this team. That will be the toughest hump to get over. I think they do it. I really do. And I have the Toronto Blue Jays winning the American League. And that wraps up. Our American League preview. We've gone through it all. That is now the NL preview yesterday. The AL preview today. Opening day is Thursday. We have made it. We have so much coming for you. Opening day, we will be live on location in Anaheim. Talking about opening day that's currently going on before the game. And then the game will happen. We'll have a post-game show. We'll give you all the sights and sounds there. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I will be there every day in Anaheim to watch them take on the Astros. And then we're, in, we're, then we're rolling. We're off and running with season two of Flippin' Bats. Thank you guys for listening to the American League preview. If you're not subscribed, just do it. Click that plus button wherever you listen. Apple, Spotify, we have all socials. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. But this has been another episode of Flipping Bats. Enjoy opening day, everyone. I will talk to you on opening day as well. Thanks again, everyone. See ya. It's
0: a blowout. Eighth inning, 10 Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits on a real finish. He swings, and it's a high-fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate.